Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. We pray that this message strengthens and encourages you in your walk with God. I just uh, want to follow up with what Pastor Dean is, is, was preaching on um, last uh, Wednesday. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be diving in on the nuts and bolts of daily devotion. And I want to kind of, I'm, I'm really building the, from the ground up how to approach devotion um, because we, we have to understand that devotion has a purpose. It's not just you reading the Bible so that you can like check off the things that you did. It actually has uh, a purpose and it has a, um, an advantage that it wants to give you. Because it's not just you reading a, a, a stagnant book. It's actually you uh, learning who the Lord is. So... Um, just as Pastor Dean was saying last week, devotion is a practice. It's not something that is stagnant, but rather it is an ever-progressing relationship between you and the Lord. In uh, approaching it as a practice, we can see a, there's a ton of growth that will take place. However, sometimes in the pursuit of the Lord, people have gone astray. My goal, is, my goal today is to establish a healthy approach to the Word that guides our discernment while not limiting the moving of the Spirit uh, of the Lord in our lives. So wh- when we come forward, we, we, we know several people, uh, high, highly, 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 um, what would be considered highly influential people, um, who, you know, they started off great in the ministry and then somewhere along the lines they got led astray. That is 110% completely avoidable. You going astray, yes, the enemy is after you. Yes, the enemy will try to, to tempt you in all, all different ways. However, when people go astray, it is not because God missed something. It is because they missed God. And so we want to really focus in on that because you... Us, as people, we, are, we, we make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're, we're fallible. We understand that, that um, you know, we, we may know parts of the gospel, and we may yet fall to the very things that we know are not, we're not supposed to do. Paul said it, why do I do the things that I wish I didn't? And so one of the things that will help us establish a healthy view of devotion is knowing who God is. Now, there's two rules to this. I've condensed it down into two. The first one is God and his word. Okay, go with me to Psalms 138 verse 2. In Psalms 138, verse 2, it says this, I will worship toward your holy temple. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. So, right there, we see that the only thing that is above God is what God puts above himself. It's his word. So, instantly... That calls into question every form of prophecy that would go against how God views his word. 
So, like, let's say this. God's not going to have you um, break up a marriage because so-and-so is married and the Lord said that's actually your spouse. That's not how the Lord works. That's against his nature. He will never go against his word. So what we find in here, the nature of him in here will never be uh, perverted, can never be swayed, because if we listen to what's in here, we'll know him in spirit and in truth. The second one is God and his omniscience. So go with me uh, to 1 John 3.18. We're going to be going through a lot of scriptures. I'm going to try to um, get them. Get, I'll probably read some of them without having you turn there. But these two are foundational. Number one. God puts his word above his name. Number two is that God is omniscient. In 1 John uh, uh, 3.18, it says, it was stolen out of my Bible, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, 1 John 3.18, it says this. My little children, let let us not love in word, or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know we are the truth, by this we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. What that's saying there, starting off, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Therefore, God is above us and he is omniscient. There is nothing, there is nothing that you can, there's, there will never be anything that you can prove God wrong on. He set forth everything we know, and he will take away everything we know. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. So we want to to be able to see that and realize when we're in devotion, number one, we can make mistakes. Number two, those mistakes can be corrected by the eternal word of God. Okay? So we want to start off with that foundation, The church needs less impressive theological essays and preaching and more practical kingdom action. What do I mean by this? Theology is a fancy word that means the study of the nature of God or religious belief. We have entire libraries filled to the brim on theology and the study of the Lord. All of it's great if it's coupled with the action of the Great Commission. The issue is we have a bunch of smart people being tricked into thinking they're helping the body of Christ by knowing how many angels can fit on the head of a needle when, in reality, their knowledge has rendered them lazy and the rest of, rest of us obese on useless information. We have so many impressive thinkers in the body of Christ, yet we do not have very many doers. And so what we want to achieve through daily devotion is that we are not just a hearer of the word, we are a doer also. The Lord doesn't get glory from us being rendered useless. Like, oh, I can quote chapter and verse. That doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Is it important? Yes, you should know your word. But here's the thing. If all you do is quote it, but you don't live it, you missed it. 
So it does us... Uh, it does us no good, hey, I actually said that, hey, it does us no good uh, to quote scripture, chapter and verse, and not be able to hands on the sick and watch them recover. A.W. Tozer says this, now A.W. Tozer was a mighty man of God, uh, who if you ever just want to, like, if you're ever feeling sorry for yourself and need some good correction, just look up Google, A.W. Tozer quotes, and all of a sudden you'll realize that you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and continue on. A.W. Tozer says this, you can be as straight as a gun barrel theologically and just as empty as one spiritually. You can have all of the information in the world, yet if the Spirit of the Lord is not on you, you've missed it. Information is awesome. I am a nerd. I, like, look, I have read books on, on Star Wars. I know, I, know, I know backgrounds of things that are useless to all of you. But it doesn't help the kingdom at all. <laughs> so there, we may have a, a tendency to lean towards information. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to dishonor those who are more uh, astute, who, who like uh, information, because I do too. I, love, I, can get, I can get nerdy on a lot of things. But I don't want to be so smart that I'm stupid in the ways of practicality. So we want to be able to do things that the Bible says. Our goal in devotion is not, is not acquiring useless knowledge, but it, it's, it's the revelation of the Lord. We want to know God and to know his bidding. Go with me to Matthew 28, 18. And this is the Great Commission. This is something that we should all know, we should all be doing uh, however, many times when we when we're on the um, when we're when we're trying to when we're, we're in devotion and we're trying to learn about the Lord, this kind of gets stuck in the background, and we need to be more we need to be more about this than just acquiring knowledge. So Matthew twenty eight verse eighteen says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Now, we also hear that, that you may cast out demons, you may cleanse the sick, heal the lepers, we raise the dead, drink anything deadly, and it shall no be, by no means hurt you. All of that needs to be in you, more so than how old David was when he slew Goliath. That's awesome. We honor that. It's, I'm not dishonoring parts of the Bible because we want, we want that. However, if you don't apply the command that Jesus left us in the New Testament church, you're not, you're, you're missing it. And, and uh, this is no condemnation. I do it too. I love to get nerdy on the Old Testament. What all happened in Genesis 6? Some of you may not know what that means. Just Google it. You'll go down a rabbit hole. Um, but, uh, you know, what, I, I love learning about this thing. I love learning about this stuff. However, we have to be about our Father's business. We have to be about what Jesus says because if I go to Him 
at the end of my life and I stand before him and I say, I have a pocket full of revelation and I have no one standing beside me, no one that I've led to Christ, then I've done nothing for him. This goes back to the, you wicked and lazy servant. You hid what I give you and instead of even, even trying to invest in the bank, you just, you just kept it. And so you returned to me what I gave you without any interest, without anything else. I don't want to be that. I want to, be, uh, I want to stand before him and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If, it was a, if he was from mid-Ohio Valley, it'd be attaboy. Like, you know, so that's the goal. Um, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Understand this, it does the army of Christ no good at all if all we do is lecture you on how much we know about the guns we use and never teach you to shoot yours. And unfortunately, at times our upper ranks in insecurity desire praise from people instead of desiring to prepare people for war. He is still the Lord of hosts and he still desires territory to be taken. Now, one of the most important things I believe for us as a church we're at, we're taking territory. We've had multiple words about it. We've had multiple prophetic uh, words about it. There's multiple scriptures that we've been getting from different people coming up and saying, man, feels like something's different this year. In the midst of all the, the economic chaos, it feels like there's like the Lord is sent giving us marching orders, and that's 100% correct. We want to be able to have the church be able to fight for the Lord on the Lord's behalf with us. Leaders oftentimes will tell you, will go off on all these great revelations and like, and you know, this is why Jesus was six foot two and not five foot nine. That's all, all of that is wonderful. That's great. Uh, but do you know how to pray for your kids when they're sick? Do you know how to share your testimony with people? A lot of times we miss it with knowledge. And so I, what my goal is, is not to demonize knowledge, but it is to encourage you to use the knowledge that you have and put it in action. Lord, if it's, the, I don't hear any trumpets, so. Well, Christy, if Bill starts going, you want you to grab him by the pant leg. Oh, it was me the entire time. Am I on? Check, check. We're not going to talk about what just happened there. Pastor Dean ain't in the room. <laughs> no, um, turns out I didn't have it plugged in all the way. Um, so the more you know, hey, knowledge and practice. Um, okay, so for this reason, Scripture is for you to understand the personhood and the character and the nature of the Lord. Why, are, why is it important that we equip you with knowledge and revelation? Because you need to know who God is. The tearing of the veil at, at the, the crucifixion of Jesus was to, to say there is now no separation between the clergy and the everyday man. Jesus preached in the synagogues, but many times he didn't preach to the priests. He preached to the actual people in there, okay? Now, while there were priests that came along, I believe his name was Nicodemus, uh, who invited him and talked to him in secret, all of that is awesome. However, you see that Jesus majored on ministering to the everyday man. 
Therefore, we as people who are in the church, we need to be in a relationship with Jesus. We can miss him by thinking that it's just a Sunday, Wednesday thing. No, you need to know him every single day. Um, I forget who it was who said it. I read it not too long ago. He said, you either worship God on the entire week or you don't worship him at all because there is no such thing as a Sunday morning Christian. If it's a Sunday morning Christian, it has to be followed up with a Monday and a Tuesday morning Christian and a, and a Wednesday uh, morning Christian and a Thursday morning Christian, all, the whole thing, because we don't want to just make it about one time, one week. This is your time, Lord, because I'm super busy, so you, this, is, this is me working it out for you. That's not, that, that's, number one, that's disrespectful. Number two, um, he's more important than that. So we want to be able to approach him every single day of the week and get to know him. Um, so for this reason, I'm going to read this again. For this reason, scripture is for you to understand the structure of the personhood, the nature, and the character of the Lord. It is the bones of the Lord's nature providing stability to all he does. He will never counter his word. Though some of what he does can be perceived wrongly, it will never be proven. Why is this? Because God is not bound to time. Prophecy is a great example. The book of Revelation is, has, has wide swaths of unfulfilled prophecy. However, from the eternal perspective, these things have already been completed. Time just needs to catch up. So it's, it, there are times where you read the Bible, and when you read it, you'll sometimes look at, the, look, through it at, look, look at it through the lens of like, well, this hasn't happened yet. So what, what's going on? What, you know, is this, is, how can we trust it? Know that prophecy is of things to come, and there are things yet to come. Like this, this book is so encompassing, it's from the beginning to the end of time. It's not like it didn't end with the, with the apostles, from the, from, from the death of Jesus until his return, we are to be about this, his business. The book of Acts is our example. So, when reading the word, each scripture must stand against his own nature. We remember, remember, we read this not as a history book, but as a love letter with instructions. If you find something that challenges his own nature, you must stop immediately and guard your, your view of his nature with ferocity. Now, you don't have to go there, but I am going to go uh, to Proverbs um, chapter 4, uh, verse 23, and it says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issue of life. Um, put away uh, from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips. But let's just stop at, at 23. Go, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Um, in, one, when, in one translation I read, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, for it is a spring or a well of life. There are times when you run into scriptures, okay, that if you do not take the time to actually study it out, it can give birth to false doctrine. So you, whenever you, you have to guard your heart against that because it's easy to go to major on a minor, like, for instance, the scripture of where, where it's literally 
speaking of how they conduct themselves, how, how men and women are to conduct themselves in the assembly. It's easy to take that and major on it and say, well, women are no longer allowed to speak in church. Well, number one, that misses no, the, the Old Testament by a long shot because we have Deborah, okay, and, and uh, who, um, you know, led Israel. We have all these different women in the, in the Old Testament who were honored. Rahab was considered a, a woman of honor. And then we get into the New Testament where we have women who helped uh, correct, I believe it was Apollos. We have women apostles in the New Testament which means that he's not a respecter of persons. There is a quote-unquote hierarchy. He does have order to things. However, the hierarchy is not contingent upon gender. It's contingent upon willingness. Obedience leads to the hierarchy. We can, you know, you can come in and be like, well, I'm a sixth-generation pastor's kid. Oh, that's great. So? Like, doesn't mean you did anything. You have to be willing to do what he's saying now. You have, if you're part of this church, uh, the river, we're submitted to Pastor Dean's vision of what is to come in this region. We are, we're called to be a regional church with, with, with national reach. So what, we, what we're doing is we're submitting to that vision that Pastor Dean has. A lot of times people come in and they try to be like, well, I have a vision that the church is supposed to be like this. Nope. If it doesn't submit to that, then we don't need it. Why is that? Because too many chiefs and not enough Indians means the kingdom doesn't get advanced. You feel great. You got a pat on the back. Good job. You're a leader. But that didn't mean the kingdom was advanced. So we want to be able to submit to what is the vision. So we want to be able to guard our hearts against anything that would challenge the Lord, even if we find it in Scripture. Because the Lord is not, doesn't change. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We want to be able to, 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 to study this and not be swayed by anything that may creep in through doubt. You have to have that maturity. You have to understand you don't know it all, and that's okay. <clears throat> um, and, and just to go along with this, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issue, issues of life. Remember that the devil is a master deceiver. The first thing the serpent used in the garden was a question to the Lord's commands. He challenged the nature of God and then proceeded to call him a liar. That's Genesis 3. Did God really say? And then he said, you will not surely die. He didn't have the, the spine to come out and say, he's lying to you, but he, that's exactly what he said. He may have not said it in those exact words, but when he said, you will not surely die, he knows that you'll be like him. See, Satan is older than all of us, Lord, I hope. He's older than all of us, and he knows how to deceive all of us. Greater men than you and I have fallen, but God in his mercy have, has given us instructions on how to keep from falling. Just because greater men have fallen doesn't mean anything. You're, we don't look to greater men. Jesus didn't fall. He's the, he is the whole goal. Our goal is to be like him. So we're not going to be swayed by the, the local yokel that fell 
you know, oh, well, this guy was big in the, in the, the hippie movement of the, of the Jesus revival time. You, we don't, I, it doesn't matter. Because I'm responsible for my own walk. And then, because I'm responsible for my own walk, and because this thing is communal, I'm also responsible to make sure that you're not falling. More people care about big pastors falling than they do about the people sitting next to them. And that's an error. I do not care if X, Y, and Z pastor is preaching false doctrine. If you're listening to them, then we'll correct it. But however, my goal is not to correct them. There's a lot of time that's being wasted by people who are well-intentioned, who want to correct everyone's theology, but aren't even caring about their neighbors. We are to be a people of action. So I don't care, and this should be an, uh, a, a mindset that you take on, I do not care what other people are doing as far as becoming offended and it wasting time. Now, if someone, mainstream pastor falls, we'll pray for their restoration. And hey, we, we want that because we desire everyone to be on board. We need all the workers we can. There is a huge harvest out there and people are dying every day and going to hell because people aren't doing the business. So we want to be, we want to be able to be unemotionally affected and say we're going to pray for them and that's it. We don't, need to be, we don't need to be swayed by their fall. We don't need to be swayed by anything like that. We need to stick to the Bible. We need to stick to his word and we need to look out for one another. What hap- so like if, if the internet goes down forever now, are you going to care what happens to John Smith, the megachurch pastor of New York? No, you're not. You're not even going to know. (laughs) The internet has created a smaller world, but in reality, we are so fixated on things at a distance that we miss the things that are closest to us. We have a responsibility to keep our community together and thriving and serving the Lord and going after the Lord. So, we want to be able to, to, to protect each other in that way. And devotion, we have a responsibility to each other. I, I have to be in my word because there may be a time where you need me. And you have to be in your word because there may be a time that I need you. I understand that, that like the, the gospel is all about Jesus and we all just need to pray and ask, ask Jesus to help. And that is 100% true. However, when Jesus ascended... The apostles relied on the Holy Spirit in one another. If the Holy Spirit in you isn't fed, then there's a potential that you could fail your brother and sister. So we want to be a people of devotion. Devotion has serious consequences, both good and bad. If you don't do it, that's the bad stuff. If you do do it, that's the good stuff. Because even if, like... I don't know, some uh, world government comes in and is like, ha-ha, we're the Antichrist, and now we're going to murder all the church. To live as Christ is to die as gain. You've lost nothing in devotion. But if that same evil government comes in and they're like, we're going to murder all the Christians, and you're like, well, thank God that wasn't me, you just denied Christ. See, the, see, see how important it is? I want to read this. I want to be so fixated on this that I fall in love with him more and more every day that the thought of giving my life 
for his gospel doesn't scare me, but it inspires me to pursue him even more. We get scared at times because we think, well, what about our kids? What about our kids? If hard times, if, if hard times are coming, your children being born is a sign that God has already has, has his hand on them. Yeah. We're not going to be given into fear. One of the things that has affected me uh, early on in my walk was a, an excerpt. I believe, I forget where it was from. It might have been Jesus Freaks. Um, but this man was was being tortured by communist Russia. I forget where it was, some gulag. He was in, (laughs) gulag is a prison if you don't know, Um, back in communist Russia. He was being tortured and they brought his son forward and he, they were beating him and they said, all you, he he was a pastor, they were like, all you have to do is deny Jesus and the beating will stop. And they kept beating this kid and beating this kid and beating this kid. And he, was, he, he finally was starting to break. And they, the kid yelled, stop. I, don't, don't deny him because I would rather die than to have a coward as a father. The son ended up giving his life. And that man who was a pastor, he, he lived through it. And he, he, he continued to preach the gospel. I'm sure he's older. He's probably went on to be with the Lord. But you got to understand that if hard times like that are coming, you can't be scared of them. The same Jesus that was with the Christians when they were being lit on fire for, in Nero's gardens and being fed to lions will be the same Jesus that is with us. So we are not scared of consequences. Uh, the world can do whatever. Gas can be a bajillion dollars a gallon. We don't care. We'll walk. We, have, we, we also know how to ride horses. We have, we have powerful friends in the Amish community. So hook up a wagon, baby. The river's going. River, no, there ain't nothing stopping us. So we will, we will survive. So the, the enemy comes and he questions the nature of God. However, he is not a man that he should lie. And that is Numbers 23, 19. I'm not gonna, we're not going to go there because we wanna, I want to continue on. Um, but God is not a man that he should lie. So if you want that scriptural reference, it's, 23, it's Numbers 23, 19. Now, when you encounter something that may sound contrary to his own nature, you need to do the four R's. Now, you may be like, I've never heard this before. Neither have I. I was praying about it, and this is what I got. So um, this, is, this is what we got. The first thing you do when you encounter a scripture that may challenge his nature is you retract. Stop. Don't give it any room. Don't let it begin to bud a false doctrine in you that says, well, maybe, this is, maybe everything else that is contrary to this is, is wrong. And this one scripture that I've found that is weirdly interpreted is right. Don't do that. So you need to retract. Don't allow doubt to take hold. And just take a moment. It's okay to say, well, this is weird. I don't understand what to do. The next thing is to reevaluate and make sure you are looking and approaching this rightly. Are you sure you're not looking through a sense-driven or emotional lens? You cannot put yourself in your interpretation of the Bible. The Bible is the Bible. The same word that you read is the same word that I read. 
I am beholden to the same things. We've, we've, been, we've talked about it, the sixth thing that God hates and the seven that he despised and the, the a sower of discord among the brethren uh, is an abomination to him. We've been on that. The same thing that you read in that, the, the same way that you're beholden to that is the same way I am. There is no difference. So if you're looking at something and you're like, well, I think this, you need to be careful. Because the moment you start trying, it's, it's, listen, interpreting the Bible is the same as prophecy. The minute you get your personality in the way, you screw it all up. Like, I I love, I I am, listen, I am guilty of this as well. Like, I understand. But we don't need, you don't need Jonathan to give you a prophetic word. You need Jonathan to hear the word and to proclaim it. So, in the same way, Jonathan doesn't need to have Jonathan try to interpret the Bible. Jonathan needs to read the Bible and understand it, and through the lens of the book in its entirety. So, when we reevaluate this, we need to make sure it's not sense-driven or emotional. Then redirect yourself. Number three is redirect. So, we got uh, retract, reevaluate, redirect. You must be viewing this through the lens of the Lord. It says, lean not on your own understanding. Now, Proverbs um, 3, 5 through 6 uh, says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Lean not on your own understanding. So there are going to be things in this Bible that you read that will challenge your understanding of the world you know, and you need to trust what is being said here is what is being said, is, is, is truth. You have to trust that this is truth. And some people are like, well, this is kind of like, well, what about questions? I'll get to that here in a little bit. You're mortal. God is eternal. You will know death Besides Jesus, the Lord did not know death. And even when he did know death, he came back. He's so alive that he can't die. So, if you run into a situation where you keep finding yourself, well, this is like, like I, and, and we're all guilty of it, where we, where we have something in our hearts that it, this is how we interpret it, and we're, we can't seem to get over our own view of things. Like, it's like a blockage in our mentality. Like, well, this is what I think it should be, so I'm, I'm, and I could be wrong, but I don't know how to interpret. Reach out to leadership. Leadership won't have all the answers, but approaching the issue with wisdom is a better than approaching it with, uh, than being lectured with knowledge. Let me read that again. They will not have all the answers, but approaching the issue with wisdom is better than being lectured with knowledge. Wisdom involves a healthy dose of perspective and the ability to make sound judgments about a subject, while knowledge is simply knowing. You may have knowledge, but someone else may have wisdom. And so that is why it's so important to be connected to leadership, to ask questions. There's... There's not, you're not going to find um, the, 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 the church ever being, having a surplus of people to do the things that the Lord needs done. 
We will all, the, the church will always be ready to add to its ranks because there will always be new things budding. There will always be deep, deeper calls, deeper, deeper needs. So if you're running into an issue and you need help, reach out to the church, reach out, reach out to leadership because they will help you. That's simple as that. And then number four, re-engage. Once you know how to approach it, uh, the, the perceived discrepancy with the correct lens, go forward. Now, after you've read, after you've figured out, I'm not looking at this rightly, now go, now go forward. The goal of this is to kill doubt in its infancy. Curiosity is honored. Doubt is not. The Bible encourages inquiring of the Lord. I looked up scriptures for this, and there was like 133. So if, just Google it and just trust the Lord. Um, so uh, it's okay to have questions. It's better not knowing it all in humility than to begin to doubt in pride. You not knowing how things were back at, before Noah built the ark is okay. But the moment you're like, but it was aliens, and there was like space monsters that came down. Like, yeah, then you start getting into the weird stuff. That's where you need to take a step back. No, go outside, touch some grass, and like realize <laughs> that, <laughs> like, number one, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Even though the culture may be wicked, the earth is not. So you just... Chill with that and take a moment, deep breath, and like maybe go down by the river. Like, so, so you want to be able to identify when you're going oh, one extreme to another. We don't want you in one ditch that's like, I'm not reading my book. I'm just trusting that you're teaching me right. And then the other one that's like, I have read 58 chapters of the book of Psalms, and I now know that the Lord is... X, Y, and Z. Yeah, we don't, we don't need that. You need to stay true to doctrine. So, who are you? So, let me just read this again. The goal is, of this is to kill doubt in its infancy. Curiosity is honored. Doubt is not. The Bible encourages inquiring of the Lord. It's okay to have questions. It's better not knowing it all in humility than to doubt it in pride. Who are we to say that the Lord can, can or can't do something? He himself has set the perimeters of himself. He, in his goodness, only limits himself by his word. He will never. The whole argument of can God create something? God can move anything, but can God create something he can't lift? Well, if his word says that he can't lift it, then yes, then he, he, he just created something he can't lift. He'll never do that. People get all off into these weird tangents. You, like, I don't care about questions like that if my neighbor's going to hell. We got to put first things first. The goal of devotion is not you being smart in an earthly sense. You were given the mind of Christ for that. The goal of devotion is for you to grow closer to the Lord and to learn Him. Learn Him, His ways. Only in knowing him would you be able to accomplish what you're called to. And with callings, some get lost in these stupid consumerism-driven callings. You have to listen to the Lord. You being a minister to... And I wrote this down because I thought it was funny. This is just what kind of came to mind. You being a minister to Antarctica and having the penguins in revival is awesome. It's an awesome prophecy. It sounds great. But where's the Lord's glory in it? 
There's a lot of people walking around with pocket full of, uh, of prophecies that says, I'm supposed to be preaching in Africa. Homie, this is the middle Ohio Valley. <laughs> Pastor Henry's in Africa. Give him your revelation. You know? So, as we grow closer to God through devotion, and, and that's not to dishonor any any grand dreams that the Lord may give us. However, we need to be careful with those dreams because if it's all to honor us, if you think you're supposed to be the next Reinhardt Bonnke, but you ain't spending time in devotion, you're missing it. A lot of people expected their children to be great heroes of the faith, and they did not get, they, those children did not grow in devotion. I'm not saying this because, I, I, because I'm, I'm any better. I, I fell away from the church. However, there are many people that I attended the youth group with that are not here anymore. And I attended several youth groups, so it's not just this church. It's not like, well, what could we do better? Nope, that's not what I'm talking about. Parents have to be in, begin to instill devotional uh, habits in, the, in their children. You have to be able to tell your kids, if it's not in the Bible, you're not going to do it. He did that to me a lot, <laughs> and I got really mad a lot. Uh, but, Amen. <laughs> yep, we're coming full circle. Uh, I, there are things he tells me today, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> are you sure? Chapter and verse. <laughs> but he's able to do it. So I, I, and, and here's the thing. My obedience to the, to the Lord will only go as far as my obedience to my leadership, too. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you know, I love the Lord, but they won't listen to their pastor to save their life. So if, that's, if you struggle with that, take a step back. Do the four R's. You're looking at it wrong. So if tithing, uh, uh, sorry, um, as we grow closer to God through devotion, we begin to realize that devotion usually is tested by small and significant things. If tithing throws you for a loop and you rage against anyone who mentions it, you're in error. You're worshiping your preference. Therefore, your life, rather than his presence, is, 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 is your God. So we want to be able to say, Nope, whatever the, Lord, whatever the Lord says is what we want. In order to truly walk in practice, to, in order to truly walk in or practice devotion, we identify two factors that are often opposed to one another. And I'm just going to read through my notes here so that way we can end real quick. Uh, in order to truly walk in, our, in or practice devotion, we identify two factors that are oftentimes uh, opposed to one another. Preference and presence. Preference is something we all have. Some people like white, some people like blue, some people like green, etc. But presence is the indicator that God is there. We worship his presence, not our preference. It's not feelings-based. It's not about feeling the presence, because then that would still be preference. What is that? Just a side note, if you are like, well, the Lord's not here because I don't have goosebumps, you need to take a, you need to take a minute and realize that he's always around. 
Take a moment and say, Lord, you're welcome here. Invite him. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Because if you're not feeling it, that just means that your emotions aren't lining up with the word of God. But you're supposed to rule over your emotions. So we're not going to go by if we feel the presence because that is preference. You've become an idol in your own life. So the presence is an ever-encompassing, ever-present spirit of God. It's all around us, even though we may not be able to identify that he's readily available. We know this to be true due to the fact that many times God will call us uh, to sacrifice, call upon us to sacrifice something for him, and it's, but it's not a one-way street. In Romans, I'm going to read this real quick, Romans 5 verse 8 it says this but God demonstrates his own love towards us while we were still sinners Christ died for us therefore devotion when it causes it causes us to sacrifice something know that Jesus was already sacrificed for us it's not a it's not a one-way street he's not asking you to do something he wouldn't himself would not do he has already been uncomfortable for our sake, and often we must become uncomfortable for his. Why? Because many times our comfort stands as idolatry in our lives. What happens when comfort comes from $1.98 a gallon gasoline instead of the Holy Spirit? We get shaken because comfort is an inconsistent God. However, the Holy Spirit's name is Comforter. Will you, we'd find ourselves more at peace if we disregarded the external circumstances and clung to the revelation of, of, of Romans uh, 8, 38 through 9, and knew that if he, the Holy Spirit, is here, he's all we need. Many times in Scripture, before a prophet could see rightly, he had to move out of, uh, out of his former area. Elijah I'm sorry, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, and John. All of those men were told, come up here. Each one of them men, great men, did great things for the Lord. Each one of them had to be broken out of a former um, posture. Many times, Scripture will call upon us to move from a former glory into another glory. And as we do, more is required of us. So, for us to know His nature is the ultimate goal. It's been said before, God knows my heart. But that's not a valid excuse for sin because the goal is not for Him to know your heart. He made you. He knows you. But this is for you to know Him. Nowhere in Scripture is there justification for pet sins. It's only a little bit of unforgiveness. It's only a little bit of lust. It's only a little bit of pride. Pick your poison. We are not called. He's not, he's not like, oh, well, I know that they didn't mean to. That's just how they are. We're called to mature. We're, we're called. When we stand before God, we're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, that's just how you made me. He's going to be like, this is how I made you. you, you the, 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 the person you're supposed to be will stand as a testimony, a testament against you. Just as the same has happened to, to um, Jacob when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. He was wrestling with an identity. We see it bestowed on him afterwards. He's got his hip dislocated, everything. That man fought to the very end and was like, the angel was like, let me go. I believe it was the Lord and said, it's an angel. I believe it was the Lord. The Lord's like, let me go. And he's like, not until you bless me. What's your name? 
You're no longer Jacob. You're now Israel. See, there's, there's going to be a time where you wrestle with yourself or you wrestle with God about who he's called you to be, and you need to be okay with the fact that you're wrong. 100% of the time, you're wrong. Like, no, no disrespect. I love all you. I honor. I am probably the most wrong. But when it comes to my personal relationship with the Lord, um, y'all are the most wrong in yours, okay? So if you're complaining to God about me, know that he's probably like, yeah, that's all right, and Jonathan's probably complaining about the same thing. So we want to be able to say, no matter what I think, I'm going to choose the will of the Lord. So <clears throat> scripture is scripture being the infallible word of God is meant to challenge and change you. The I am a special snowflake and God loves me just the way he made me will only get us so far. It's true. Is it true that he loves you? Yes. But he also called us to stewardship. Jesus tells his disciples, if you love me, keep my commands. So there is a requirement from us to walk out our faith. It's not by works, lest any man should boast, but how could we claim to love him and never do anything for him? See Titus 1, uh, chapter 1, 5 through verse 16, but specifically in 16, that lip service is not part of believer's life, action is. Titus, in Titus, it's, it is uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 5, it is the establishment of elders in the church. And what you see is these elders ha- were, were, were picked from the main congregation by how they were in, how, how, they, how their walk was before they had a title. So, they had to be people of action before they could be chosen. So, if you f- feel called, you need to be a person of action. You need to be witnessing. You need to be letting people know about the Lord. You need to be submitted to leadership. You need, you need to be active in your devotional life. You're going to run into scriptures that offends you. And you're 100% wrong most of the time. Barring the, the only barring exceptions are, comes through misinterpretations. Now, how can the word be infallible if you can't trust all translations? I'm going to address that. Here's a very practical note for all of us believers who cannot speak Greek nor Hebrew. Break out a Strong's Concordance. If you need help, you can look things up on YouTube or you can ask pastoral staff to help with translations. We understand that the letter of Galatians was not written in English. There are, there will, there are times where translations, what may be well-meaning, will misinterpret things. However, this does not, this is the word of God isn't affected by how the Bible may misinterpret it. So we can always trace the English language back to, or the English words back to its true intention. Here's the thing God's word is infallible not because it can never be mistranslated or misinterpreted. We have entire denominations who are misinterpreting the Bible right now. But it is infallible because it will always be true. No matter what lies come its way, the truth, even if lost, will come to, will come to be true, eventually even be rediscovered. You can see this in the, um, I believe it's Hezekiah, where the, the temple scrolls were lost. They rebuilt the temple. They find these scrolls. They bring it out. He reads it. Boom. Rips his clothes. Repents. Rev- revivals that happen in Israel. It's awesome.
you need to know your word now. You need to study now. Seek God where he may be found. It is mentioned a while ago, but China changed scriptures to discredit the Lord and his church. What if, what if that's happening right now? Would you know it? Would you be able to, to tell that the word has changed? The, any app can be updated. They're changing translations to, from the Passover to Easter. That's widely known. You can read that. You can find that in some different translations. Here's why, this is why we encourage uh, books, because it's a small thing now, but we don't know how much they will corrode the Bible on the internet. Have a book. Back to Scripture. If you ran into a Scripture that offends you, know that you're 100% wrong all the time. If you're offended, you're wrong. Why? Because you're putting your mind against an eternal being who was here before and will be here long after. When you read it, it should challenge you. It should cause you to want to change, not because, not, not because it's trying to give you your best life now, but because you're meeting the one who's worth dropping everything for. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close. I'm sorry, I went 10 minutes over. Go ahead and stand to your feet with me, and then uh, Pastor Dean will take it from here. I just want to pray over you. Lord, worth, Lord, we just thank you for everything that you're doing in this church. And Father, I just ask God that the, the encounters that are happening in this place, Lord, that they would begin to happen in people's homes. Lord, I pray that you move in the homes and you move on the people, Lord. We ask for personal devotion to be a, a, a monumental thing. Lord, we ask that that personal encounters with you would come to pass. And we pray for encounters in bedrooms and kitchens, in bathrooms, God. We pray in garages, on the deck, on the front porch, on the back deck. Lord, we pray that encounters happen because we're seeking after you, Lord. Let us be a people of devotion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. If this message has blessed you and you would like to give financially or you would like more teachings from Senior Pastor Dean Wagner, please visit www.theriverfcc.com.